we use kindness as a currency. So I think if people come in and they see that and they realise, oh, I could do that, then they can definitely take it and start something wonderful. I believe in you. Proudly supported by RAH McDonald's. Hello and welcome to Season 4 of I Believe in You, the podcast about setting your goals and achieving your dreams. I'm Lizelle Hartley, a business and personal mentor, and over the course of this season, we will be talking with seven more individuals who have turned their passion into a career. Starting this season off, we will be chatting with the founder of The Sister Project. The Sister Project is a non-for-profit organization based in Allenbrook in Western Australia with a focus on supporting and empowering women with migrant and refugee backgrounds. From workshops focused on teaching to fostering a sense of belonging in the community, the Sister Project has built an environment to empower women starting a new phase of their lives in Australia. Tracy Kaif is the founder and CEO of The Sister Project and join us on this episode. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. No, pleasure. So tell us about The Sister Project. What sort of workshops do you do? What's the programs? What do you offer? And what is the Sister Project? So um, Sister Project started about three years ago and we started to serve the migrant and refugee women in our community. Um, we started off with a craft lesson and an English lesson just to bring ladies together and help them to connect with each other and help them learn English. Um, we've now moved on to doing fitness exercises, our programs such as Zumba, yoga, swimming, and we do business training. We've linked up with TAFE to offer the English classes now. We do employment um, training as well, and we do connection into other services where they can get some support. So that's a lot what has happened? So tell me, when you started this, obviously you didn't start with everything from the beginning. No. But how did you start it? What was that first month or two look like in the sister project? So the first month was really going around collecting women. And that was a lot of, um, and migrant refugee women, they don't look at um, Facebook necessarily. They don't look at bulletin boards in the library or anything like that. You actually have to physically go to their house and connect with them and build relationships. Um, from there, we brought them together into the library space and said, you know, we'd like to give you, and my background is English teaching, so I'd like to give you an hour's worth of, of an English class and then we'll do craft afterwards or something else afterwards. And so it started with 15 ladies just meeting around the table and teaching them some conversational English that they might be able to use going to the doctors or catching a bus or shopping or something like that. And um, then we started doing, we did craft, but I'm, I, I love craft, that's my thing. But also everyone comes with skills. So some of the ladies knew how to do fancy hairstyles or beauty therapy, or some would like to show us how do they do cook a, a dish. So it was just an opportunity for everyone to share skills as well. So Tracy, was it easy to get that first 15 ladies together? Because I just think if somebody knock on my door mm. and say, Come, I want to teach you English. Mm. I probably need that lesson. Mm, mm. But to convince me that you're mm. not a scammer, you're yeah. going <laughs> to meet me somewhere? What, well, I guess it that? wasn't really cold selling because I've got four children and there, there are three of them were in high school at the time and one was in primary school. 
So my kids' friends, their mums are the ones that I started the group with. So they were already coming to me in a way anyway because they needed help with filling out forms or how to pick up school reports or, you know, come with me to the doctor's clinic. So already I had that sort of relationship with some of the mums, um, just offering to help them where I could. And it just evolved from there. These school portals <laughs> mm. <laughs> to get all those emails yeah, and yeah. understand yeah, yeah. and know what you need to get yeah. back and mm. all of that. For most people, it's an obvious thing you do every day, but come from a different country. Yeah. I understand 100% how the language is different. You Half of the time you don't understand or you miss half of the documents yeah, yeah. that need to go back to That's school. Right. Yeah. And my daughter's, one of her documents was it's a, was not submit this week and she literally told the teacher her dad is out of town out of reach which is true and her mom can't speak English (laughs) (laughs) I can use that it's very difficult those school portals everything is online so they're assuming that parents are digital digitally savvy that they can access this online they're assuming that um, they've been connected to the, the website. They're putting a lot of onus on the parents. And if the parents cannot read or write before, because of schooling, a lot of our, our parents, our mums actually came from war backgrounds yeah. and so didn't have the opportunity for schooling or schooling all the way through. Um, some do, some don't. But just the, the fact that the responsibility is put on the parents to keep up um, with what's expected of them through using... Technology, is it's a very big ask yeah. and there is not that bridge, uh, generally yeah. speaking, between the school and, and migrant refugee yeah. parents. And Tracy, you you had the focus on the women to help them, but you actually help the children as well. Yeah. Because to be called out, because your documents is not handed in. Yeah. And you have no choice because your mum just doesn't understand that's, the document. As much as you would like to hand yeah. it in, there's that's just, it. you just... Yeah. It's that little bit of a big block that everybody don't know that it's actually a big block in a lot of families. Yeah. So how did this all start? Um, was there a particular moment or where does this journey in your life start? Yeah, well, looking back, um, I can see everything led up to this time of starting Sister Project. I have lived overseas. I I travelled a lot when I was younger, moved house a lot. But then when I, after university, I lived overseas for a while. And so I've been in that place where I was a migrant woman. um, And it was in a country where the culture was nothing like my own. The language is nothing like my own. And I was seen as the outsider. So, and I had more in common than, than people from completely different countries to me than I did with any of the local people because we were all put in the same basket of being outsiders, foreign. So I've got that lived experience of, of being an outsider. And also when, we, when I came back to Australia, I married a man from West Africa and bringing him here and getting him established and set up and finding work and getting, you know, tax file numbers and all that sort of thing. It's a huge undertaking and getting a job without work experience in Australia or qualifications that you got from Australia, it's very difficult to break into to the workforce. So if I didn't have my just knowledge of what it's like to be connected here and what's okay and what's not and how to put your fingers out and and do research and, you know, agencies and recruitments and all this sort of stuff, 
I, I wouldn't have known how to support him and I would have made a lot of mistakes. And it's really tough going for someone who does know. But for someone who's coming here and doesn't speak the language and doesn't have those connections or general knowledge, it's a huge undertaking. And, and that was the same for me when I was living overseas. So, yeah, it was the same coming into Australia. So that's where it started. The, the, but I guess even before that, when I was at uni, I was studying English as a second language to teach it. Um, it's always been a passion of mine to, to help people. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very much into helping. But the timing of it, um, I had just left my career as a teacher. After about 25 years, I was now working as a youth worker. And um, I could see that the young people, and my, my own children were in high school at that time, the young people, especially from, from cold backgrounds, didn't have a school system that understood them. The teachers didn't understand them because they're generally speaking white middle class people, do not have cultural awareness, do not understand that this child has just come from maybe a refugee camp um, or, you know, really from anywhere. And parents don't understand because their children are acting a little bit differently than how they would were acting back home. They don't have the support network that they had back home, all the family and so forth around them to help raise children. So there's a lot of conflict going on and there wasn't really anyone there to support the kids. So as my role as youth worker, I could see that the kids were really struggling with this lack of support and it was a constant thing that was being raised. No one understands me, the school doesn't understand me, the, my mum and dad don't understand me. I don't know what to do. And, and meanwhile, lots of responsibilities are put on them, not just to do well at school, but to do that school portal thing online to do that by themselves, but also to support their mum and dad, take them to the doctors, take them shopping, take them to pay bills. And they, they're being asked to do a lot of adult things that most kids would not have to do, um, looking after the younger siblings, helping their parents find jobs and all that sort of thing. So that's how it started. I was a youth worker. And it started with, in a way to support the kids. We needed to support the mums as well. The morning that you wake up and it was the first day of the sister project, mm -hmm. how did you feel? Did you, did you know this is going to go as big? Did you have that dream? Did you know of the challenges that's come your way? Well, uh, yeah, you don't really know of the challenges, do you? Um, I guess when I moved to Perth, so I moved to Perth in 2015, I had full intentions of setting something up like this, but I just had to find the, the right timing to do it. Um, where I was living back in New South Wales, it was on the coast, um, had a beautiful view just like this, but there was a serious lack of migrant refugee people around mm. me. It was definitely not a cold area. Um, but coming into Ellenbrook where um, I was living, um, so many people that I could, I could help. So it was definitely exciting. The, and I, the way I work, I generally fly by the seat of my pants. So I think I gave myself a week's notice and, um, and on the day I was excited and I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know uh, if anyone would turn up and there was about 15 and some of them I hadn't even made connections with yet, but they, word of mouth, yeah. they came along and word of mouth is pretty much how we've grown. Everything is by word of mouth. I like the idea that you say you come to Perth and you knew you're going to do something. Yeah. You didn't know when, mm -hmm. you didn't know where, but you know that that is, that's the passion yeah. and that passion I'm going to put over yeah. to a project, yeah. which is absolutely great 
to know that it has become part of you. It was be already part of your thoughts. Yeah. It's already part of that passion of who you are yeah. and that you have experienced the need in that. COVID threw a lot of challenges mm -hmm. to us. Mm -hmm. So what challenges did COVID give the sister project? COVID was interesting in that it was like good and not good at the same time. Good, um, good as in we were... We were told we had to leave the library space where we had been for um, a year or two already um, because we couldn't meet in there with groups. But by making us leave the library, we would then found another space to go into which serves us much better. And um, we've been able to make it our own and we've been able to offer a lot more from that space than, than what we could have been doing if we stayed in the library. So that's been a huge benefit for mm. us. Um, a challenge would be we've had to um, drop some of our, our programs that we were running. Um, but then again, you know, every challenge is actually a, a benefit because that just means we redirect our focus and we find out what's more needed at the time. With um, other challenges, I, I think probably the biggest one is um, doing business with other people. For me personally, I always look for win-win. So if it's something that's a win for you, win for me, and ideally a win for somebody else as well. But not everybody thinks like that. So we've been burnt a couple of times with, with wanting to do business with people and um, they've looked for wins for themselves but not necessarily for us or for the, the women that we're serving. So that's been a learning experience. And would you say that you get a little bit cleverer? Yes. Is that yeah. you see the signs yeah. now, you read, that's okay, right. we're not the right connection, <clears throat> so I'm not going to spend any more yeah. time, any more Great energy here. Yeah. Makes much more savvy about, about doing business and also makes us more focused on whether we, we could be doing, potentially do business that way or, or we, we do this way and, and look for something. Something I've learned, um, which one of my business coaches always has said to me, always ask, what's in it for me? And me meaning sister project, not me, Tracy, but sister mm. project. And I haven't always done that. But now, especially after these learning experiences, it's, it's almost always one of the first things, what's in it for us. So, Tracy, as a mentor, mm -hmm. I strongly believe that every person, every company, every mum, dad, Everyone needs mentors mm -hmm. in their life. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about mentors? And did you have any mentors in your life mm -hmm. that had not just an impact on you personally, but had helped you with your journey on this sister project? Thinking about mentors, it can be anything from just um, a conversation right through to someone taking you under their wing and teaching you all the ropes. So there's been plenty of of the, you know, even one-off conversations or, or even just yes. regular conversations. And for them, it may not seem, you know, that they've done a lot, but it's had an impact on you. And I know someone in my local community that just every conversation with them, you know that they've traveled the same journey as you as a business person. And you just feed off that. It just gives you something to keep going. I've been really blessed with mentors. Mentors are so, so important. Everything that you learn, you need to learn it from somebody um, that has gone through the, the, the tricky situations before and just to help you stay focused. Um, even as a child, teenager, adult and into where I am now, I, I, I study people very closely, what they do to, to make them so impactful. Um, whether they use humour, perhaps, to break down barriers and connect with people. 
their attitude in how they do things. Mentors are hugely important. So one thing that catched my attention was, I think it was at your uncle. Oh, yes. Tell me a little bit more. What impact your uncle as a mentor, probably without knowing it yeah. at that time, had in your life personally? Yeah. So my uncle was a, um, a psychologist and also a psychologist lecturer. And I guess in his job, he was required to listen a lot. And um, whenever we had family holidays, Christmas or so forth, I had a lot of cousins, but I was the only girl cousin my, my age. And um, so really didn't have anyone to hang out with, but he always took time to, to sit and um, taught me the game of chess and just listened, just listened to me and, and talked about my ideas for the future and dreams and just someone listening was, was huge. Yeah. What I found in my business as a mentor, that actually is so much value mm. because you can say to a lot of people around you and interesting, I had a group earlier today just before you come, a heartbeat group. And one of the things I say to them, stop and listen mm -hmm. because you can stop. But if you don't listen, mm. you miss so much in life. Mm. And for your uncle being part of you and not just tell you, mm. Tracy, you have to listen. Yeah. He actually show it as mm. an example mm. for you yeah. to listen. Mm. And can you say that in today with the sister project, by, by using that tools that mm. he gave you as mm. an example mm. way back then is something that you use in the sister project? Absolutely. The first thing we do, and we're lucky, we're still a small organization, so we're able to respond to women that come in individually. So the first thing we do is to listen. Mm. And I train my team that when someone comes in and they're talking, listen and look out for red flags. Listen for things that they may need help with, that they might not ask you directly, but, you know, anything, to, feeling lonely, so then we can find ways to connect them or, or maybe they are, are worried about um, not being allowed to leave the house for example yeah. okay so now we, we need to start thinking about family violence and and what way we can help them with that listening is the first thing that that we do when when especially new people come in but even in our weekly craft sessions it's something where the team is is required to listen and look look out for yeah opportunities to to serve and Tracy, we again live in a fast world. And when English is your second language, for you to explain yourself, it sometimes takes much longer. Mm, mm -hmm. And you have pause moments. Yeah. And what I found is when you have that pause moment as somebody where English is your second language to process that, the conversation keeps going and you miss out. You mm. miss that opportunity to express who you are or what your needs is. Yeah. So I think this is a very valuable step in your business, mm. not knowing from your uncle, mm. implement that on you. And you can implement this in the Sister Project. Yeah. And this is why the Sister Project is so successful. Oh, because okay. if you're going to go back on your results, mm. your results is going to be much greater mm. with the fact that you guys are listening. Yeah, we want to serve as many people as possible. Um, and we're lucky we're not in a situation where we have been required to tick a lot of boxes. We're more there to be able to serve one person at a time. So that allows us to take the more time-consuming route of listening and building relationships. 
And do you have a community of women that belong to that? Is that like a membership or a sign-up? Yeah, we do. We have a membership. There's three different levels with the membership um, to make it as open as possible to as, as many people. So there is the um, the normal membership premium, which is $25 a year, which is not very much, but it gives them access to, to everything that's in the programs and discounted um, for workshops and so forth. Um, also, we have the free membership, so they don't they don't miss out if they are not able to pay, but it, they don't get the first access to, you know, trips for sightseeing or something like that. But they do have the opportunity to to be a part of Sister Project and still get the connection. And then we've got um, our, our membership level for people that are in the community that just want to be a part of it and, and support. We're going to have you on one of our Smart Women events in mm-hmm. November. And I think that might be a good point to say, who want to put their hand up to say, I want to support $25. Is it 25 a so month? So for the community, is, it's $50 a year for the $50 community members. Yeah, yeah. And... There's not many privileges that come with that. You, you you don't get voting rights or anything like that. It's just a donation, really, to support Sister Project and know you're supporting something that's having a great impact in people's yeah. lives. Mm. So let's talk closer to that event. Mm-hmm. But for me as well, empowerment, mm-hmm. that is so important. Mm-hmm. So looking at you, you go out there and you empower these women mm-hmm. around you. Mm-hmm. But what do you do to make sure that you are empowered mm-hmm. to give that over to them yeah can't be filling up someone else's glass if your jug is empty well mentors is is definitely um one thing that we've we've spoken about just staying in touch with people who you look up to and and respect um on a daily basis i listen to podcasts all the time um on my drive to work on my way home i'd like to say when i go running but i I don't go running uh (laughs) walking the dog um you know washing dishes just anytime brushing my teeth i've got I've got something on uh, someone that I, I admire or a topic that I, I like to listen about or um, listening to someone to improve my public speaking, for example. There's business training, whatever. So podcasts are definitely up there. I'm very time poor, so I don't have a lot of time for reading. I'm great at buying books, but um, not mm. so great at reading them. I think that's that's really important. And just to surround yourself with with people that have got the same same vision or their values align with your values that can that can support you. As she was saying earlier, you can't hand out if you don't fill up yourself. Mm-hmm. And it is good that we know that we need to be filled and mm-hmm. able to share out there. Mm-hmm. So what is the next step? What's the next step for the Sister Project or in your journey? We've got so many exciting things that are coming into play right now. Because of COVID, we've realised that at the end of the day, social connection is very important, but women need a way to be able to earn money to support themselves financially, um, to be able to make better choices for themselves in the future. So we're changing our tact a little bit more and putting a bit more emphasis on our employment pathways and business training, um, the ability to offer more um, certificates, so to um, in hospitality or anything, beauty therapy, early childhood, anything like that, that um, is relevant for the women to be able to earn and improve themselves. So that's what the future is looking like. We're at the stage at the moment where we just want to make sure our foundations are really strong in Sister Project because we started off and just went crazy, just went bang. So we've really got to make sure that our foundation is very strong and now 
our structure is very strong um, so that we can continue to be sustainable in the future and and also responsive to what the women in the community are needing. So I have visited one event and the sister project was there making the most amazing food. Oh, yes. Is that <laughs> is that one of the businesses? Is it a yes. group of them running a yes. business together? Yes. So um, in, in regards to us being sustainable, Sister Project itself needs to be sustainable. Um, one way to do that, we're looking at social enterprise ideas so that um, we will have income streams coming from a variety of sources. Social enterprise ideas, one is a catering group, um, which we already have up and running. The women can cook. They're amazing cooks. I don't cook, so I surround myself with people who can cook because I love to eat. Um, our catering group is amazing. Um, the food is so authentic and delicious and fresh. There's no cutting corners. It's I can agree with that yeah. <laughs> because my family, they, they wasn't happy after the first round. I okay. think we've done about three rounds okay. that day. <laughs> yeah, so just really authentic, delicious food. And our point of difference is... We have women from about 17, 18 different nationalities. So they all bring a, something, a variety. There's such a variety in, in food. And maybe they make um, baklava or maybe they make gozleme, but it, it's um, different. It's different. So the Afghani uh, gozleme is different to the Lebanese gozleme, which is different to the Iranian yes. gozleme. So there's just so much variety and, and freshness. Yeah, it's really good. So if one of the listeners out there today want to book them, to cater for them, mm -hmm. or just book the food to be dropped off, that all is possible? Yes, it's all possible. We have a, have a menu with prices and so forth that can be selected from. On our website, if you just um, message through the website, you can, or even through our Facebook or Instagram, um, you'll be transferred through to our catering queen who will make contact with you and, and organise for food and the menu and, and you can select and that can be delivered to you. So that'll be That's fun. definitely on my list. Great. So I've got a question that I die to throw in here today. Mm -hmm. Do you see Sister Project outside of WA? Oh, wow. I don't see why not. We're only three years old and we would never have imagined ourselves being where we are now. Not saying that we, we didn't see that we would be here. We didn't know we would grow this quickly and be where we are right now. We thought it would have taken a lot longer. So... Who knows, in, in 10 years' time, um, we would have, be just so strong and, and definitely able to just duplicate ourselves and, and go elsewhere. I think that, that's a really exciting idea. We've already had some, we've had, I've had two lots of people ask when they, they're moving back to their original countries and saying they would like to start a sister project over where they are. Um, we just need to encourage them to and give them a chance to try and, and see how it goes. But for us to actually have a duplicatable model, such as um, McDonald's does and it has everywhere, mm. that would take a, a bit more time and, and process, so to speak. Yeah. But I think the way that we do business in that we, we're based on kindness and we, we use kindness as a currency. So I think if we use that and people come in and they see that and they realise, oh, I could do that, and if their passion is in the same place their interest is in the same place, then they can definitely take it and, and start something wonderful wherever they are. I'm looking forward in a year from today mm -hmm. that there's a very doable package out there for women mm -hmm. all over Australia, all over the world that can grab onto that, if I want to say that licensee mm -hmm. with a framework mm -hmm. and say, 
I want to use this role model mm-hmm. and the sister project and take it into places where mm. it's needed. That would be exciting, wouldn't it? Okay, so I gave you a year for that today. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> Just lastly, tell me, what is the highlights that you had through this journey with the sister project? There's so many. At the end of the day, um, it's the impact you see on one person and their family that just gets you going for the next challenge or whatever that's going to come across. Because as you said before, you're not just helping the mum, you're helping the children. And if if no one stepped in to help the mum get a job or to help the mum realise that she didn't have to stay home and, and deal with everything that she's dealing with on her own, being completely isolated, then the children are going to grow up and, and, you know, their view on the world is shaped by how they see their mum dealing with the world as well. So it's a, it's a generational thing. So we're not just impacting one person, we're impacting a few generations. And this year we've had a great um, leaving, which is really exciting. People going off to do full-time study, people going off to do full-time work, or, you know, just making great advancements in their lives buying a business and and you just see them somewhere and you go wow you've got this business look at you go and that is so exciting it's so so exciting because you think to yourself I had a part in that you know I I helped even if it was just to reshape their their self-belief yes yeah yeah that's that's the most exciting part of of what I do I can see that the empowerment just talking to you I feel excited. Yeah, I feel good. empowered because I know that it's not just a project. It's a life changing yeah. for women out there. And I strongly believe the ripple effect, as you were saying. Mm-hmm. We influence the mum, but that ripple effect going down to the children and the dad and the neighbours and yeah. everyone around yeah. them, that is, that's the highlight, that's the ripple right. effect and the comeback and the results. So it was so empowering talking to you today. If you have your favourite phrase to leave with us today, what will that be? Everything seems impossible until it is done. If you would like to know more about Tracy and the Sister Project, you can find her details in the episode description. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I believe in you. Thank you for listening to the I Believe in You podcast. If you're interested in being coached by Lizelle, we have a number of solutions available for you, no matter where you are in the world. You can find all the details for these and how to get in touch in this episode's description. This podcast is proudly sponsored by RAH McDonald's. It's more than Maccas, it's developing personal excellence for life. I Believe in You is produced by Bad Bard Productions.